This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. Welcome to episode four of After the Whistle. Is it four? It is four. Oh my These God. Things are flying right now. Well, it's four, but it's six. Yes. That's confusing to people. We had a little surprise interview with Ruben Brown after the Monday Night Bills game, and then we had the pilot, which we didn't number. We called out the pilot, episode one, two, three, and then we just did we just did an unbelievable hour uh, with Jeremy Roenick and never disappoints. Unbelievable. It's, it's funny that after, after we just finished with JR, an incredible hour of conversation on so many topics, whether it's, you know, Connor McDavid, is there going to be a 200-point player in the National Hockey League? Ovi does catching he, Gretzky. Does he want Ovi yeah. to catch Gretzky? We talked Olympics. There's just so many stories in this segment. It was absolutely incredible. But what, what a personality this guy is. And you know, the funny thing is you mentioned in, in another episode with them that uh, you had, the, you had the, the ability to, to meet him and he just makes you feel good, you know? Yeah. And I can, I can tell you this, the first time I ever met Jeremy Roenick was, uh, was in Phoenix where he, where he lived at the time. And uh, I had been with uh, one of my buddies that I, that I had played with Brian Savage and we went over to, um, a PGA golfer's uh, house, along with a, a few other PGA guys that were on the tour at the time. But we were at Pat Perez's house, and we drank and played poker and had a blast, and um, it was an incredible night. But it was late. You know, we we finished about uh, you know four thirty in the morning, and we had a tee off time at Brian Savage's golf golf course. And Jeremy Roenick is a member there too. And, and apparently all of the PGA tour guys that live in Phoenix all belong to this, uh, this course also. So Brian and I get to the course at about eight o'clock and we're trying to get something down in our system because, you know, I'm, I'm looking green like you wouldn't believe. You need some grease in that stomach to I absorb. I need some grease, right? Yeah. And in walks JR. And I'm going to tell you, it was like seeing a superstar. Like for me, as, as, a, as a younger guy growing up playing in the NHL and watching the NHL before, Jeremy Roenick was, you know, Sega Hockey 92, and he was a legend, right? Yeah. He, no, or was it 94? It 94, was 94. 94. And he was a legend. And, you know, even when I was a kid, like you couldn't use Jeremy Roenick in, in Sega Hockey 94 because he was unstoppable. You just won every game with Chicago. But in walks JR. And uh, I'm, I'm as green as what you can possibly imagine. And I, and I noticed that it's eight o'clock in the morning and JR ordered two vodka sodas at eight o'clock in the morning and then walks over to the table and says hi to Brian Savage because he knows him. And he introduced me to JR and I stood up and I shook his hand and I was just like, wow, this is, this is something special. I'm trying to keep my composure and year my coolness. Is just to put a date on it. Oh, so it would have been the year. This would have been the year before Jr. came to San Jose because when I had okay. met Jr., I think it was two thousand, two thousand six. So okay. he's already done his Jr. thing in the league. He's Jr. He's he's Jr. Okay. He's super Jr. And I I meet him, 
And he, he was, he was telling me, he's like, I just finished the playoffs with the San Jose sharks and flew over to Phoenix, uh, to, to meet my buddy, Brian Savage. And we went golfing and stuff. And, uh, Jeremy Roenick was critiquing my playoffs and saying how impressed he was with my, this game and that game. And I scored a goal here and I did this and I was, could not believe it. And I met him. I said, thank you very much. It was, you know, complete. I didn't say it was an honor or anything. I didn't want to go over that, but I just said, thank you very much. And I walked away with an impression of this guy that what an incredible human being. And the funny thing is the very next year, Jr signed with the San Jose Sharks. So I got to play a full year with Jeremy Roenick and what a treat it was because I'm going to tell you, um, you play with a lot of players in the league, a lot of players in the league, and there's guys that, that stick in your mind, okay? And he is absolutely one of them. He was one of the greatest players that I've ever played with. He's one of the greatest interviews and we just had an unbelievable hour with him. And I don't want to add any more to your story. I just want everyone to go inside and enjoy lots and lots of different topics. No Sabres, though. Should we talk a little Sabres now? They won last night against Tampa Bay. I said they're going to win the cup on Twitter. I'll just tell you, can I just, I, I, I put one tweet out there that actually you, you recognize. I didn't realize what kind of traction it was getting. And I believe this. So let me, can I say this before we go? Yeah, sure. Okay. Because a lot of our audience are, are Buffalo fans. So I feel uncomfortable. Do, do I, I feel uncomfortable right now that, you know, we're in a situation that we're talking positive all the time about the Sabres. It, it, I haven't, we haven't talked positive about the Sabres. And, well, I can tell you in the last long. five years or 10 years, I never would have, I never would have written this. Okay. Would you, would you write? The one I wrote was kind of fun. They were, they were winning against Tampa and I wrote, uh, Buffalo's going to win the cup. Okay. Was, well, whatever. But I wrote at the end of the night after the game, start going to games and supporting this new team. These guys deserve it for the first time in a decade. And a lot of people have agreed. A lot of people deserve it for the first time in a decade. And I'm going to tell you. Their effort deserves support even when losing. And I would never say that in the last five years. It's been disgusting the last five, ten years. Well, it's amazing how things trickle down. Because I do believe that it starts with the upper management. I think Kevin Adams has, has a vision, and he's trying to create that vision. He's a, he's a player in this league that has played a very long time himself. He's been through ups and downs, but he also knows how to win. He was on a Stanley Cup winning team with incredible, incredible hockey players, the Rod Brennamores, the Ron Francis, you name it, the Mark Reckies, the Doug Waits. He played with some incredible players. He knows what it's like to be in a locker room that cares about each other, okay, that cares more about, that cares more about the win yeah. than it does about the individual success. And it seems right now that this team – that Kevin Adams has assembled and that Don Granado is coaching and putting, implementing his system and his standard in which they do things each and every day. And at the same time, these players seem like they, they're sponges to what, what's going on right now. 
And do I think it's going to be a full 82 games like this? I don't think it is. I think this team's going to go through some hard times. I think they're going to hit some speed bumps. But I'm going to tell you this. It is very pleasing to watch this team play, and it only starts with one thing, and that's how hard they work and they care for each other. And I'm going to tell you, I, I said this to you before, Petey, before uh, we went on today. Buffalo Sabres were winning four to one at the time. I was just going to say, there's an example that you told me about before. Yeah, Go ahead. Like you, you want no, to say it? I want you to say it, but okay. I'm, I'm just glad you remembered yeah. it because I'm sitting here saying, please finish this with the thing point. sticks out to me like a yeah, sore thumb. Yes. That's and that's why I wanted you to say it. We're, we're a four, one hockey game against a Stanley cup championship team that is loaded with, with star players and the, and, and the Buffalo Sabres played for one another. They played their system. They defended exceptionally well. They're getting great goaltending. The defense, um, you know, I thought played very well. But there's a point in this game that really sticks out to me. And that's when the Tampa Bay Lightning pulled their goaltender and they were trying to uh, score that, that goal to try and get themselves back in the game. Tage Thompson stole a puck. He moved that puck to Rasmus Asplin where Rasmus Asplund had the time and the opportunity to shoot that puck in the net himself. Rasmus Asplund could have scored that goal himself, but he decided that he wanted to share the wealth. He wanted to give that opportunity, so he feathered a pass across the ice to an open man, Victor Olofsson, and Victor Olofsson snapped that puck in the net. And I sit there and I say to myself, this is what puts a smile on my face as a former professional hockey player. When I see things like this, this is what matters. It's not about an individual statistic. It is about a team statistic. It's about sharing the wealth. It's about doing things right. And you will be rewarded in so many more ways because you care about each other. And I was very impressed with the, the Rasmus Aspen play. And I think uh, the beneficiary is, uh, is his good buddy, Victor Olson, who snapped that puck in for a 5-1 uh, goal. There's no question the team just has a different energy to it, different attitude to it. And I also sent out a Twitter poll today about the Sabres, just saying, what's been the difference in the Sabres? Has it been no Jack, no Risto, no Sam, or Don Granado? I haven't actually checked the polls in a while. Do you want me to tell you how they're doing, and then we'll get out of here? Yeah, I'd be interested to know because I know I, I voted on it. Did what did you vote? I said so. Right now, it's at uh, about seventeen hundred votes, and it has uh, Don Granado, seventy-seven percent. No Jack is thirteen percent. No Sam, one percent, and then Risto is nine percent. Okay. So, yeah, I think Don Granado. Interesting Granato when a you lot of when it. you. I picked on Granado. It's a hundred per thousand percent. It's what he's implementing. It's, it's the environment it's that he's implementing. It's the fresh start that he's giving each and every one of these players, whether it's, whether it's the younger players that are going to earn opportunity in ice time, or is it um, older statesmen? Okay. Guys like um, Gergensen and, and players like Kyla Poso, players are playing absolutely fantastic right now but there's also another group of players players that have been brought in that maybe had, had struggles on other teams and other organization the Vinny Henestrosa you did you see the the goal he absolutely missled 
in the top shelf. It was incredible goal. And I look at the energy of Vinny Hanestroza. I look at um, an incredible goal, huge, huge goal by Jake Kajula, who, who busted down, picked up the puck, went on a breakaway, made an incredible move on the goaltender and buried one. I look at these things. I look at, I look at Hag. Oh, stop. I was just going to say, how have you been thinking about Bob Hag? But listen, I'm going to tell you, you have to give credit to Hag, but also Mark Pissick. These two guys played together last night, okay? And they had to play most of their shifts against the heavy, the heavy lines, the big lines, the point, the, the um, stamp coast. They were killing penalties. Um, and they did a noticeably incredible job. They played with it themselves. Like, they're not the most skilled guys. It's not like they're the Rasmus Dahlins of the world. And, but they played within their limitations, and they were absolutely fantastic. And, and Hag was rewarded. You know, he was on the ice at the end of the game when they pulled a goaltender and he ended up uh, shooting one down into the net and, you know, getting that first goal as a, as a saber. Well done for him because he really played well and same, uh, so did uh, Mark Pissick. Well, that was our saber talk for today because inside the hour with JR, we didn't talk about the sabers per his request. Just we talked about Jack last week. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Jack uh, in the last pod with Elliot about the grievance. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, when we when we uh, have our next win in a couple days, enjoy and uh, you know where to find us. You know, Craig and I were just talking before you came on. I've always wanted to know who was your favorite player growing up. Rick Middleton, nifty. Yeah, being a Boston kid, you know, back in the seventies, early early eighties, he was just he was the best, flying around there. You know that that uh, no helmets back then. I just love that. So Rick Middleton was my favorite. And then so like 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 absolute favorite like no questions asked number one nobody else is there anyone else that you enjoyed maybe watching other than him growing up? I I mean obviously I love the game loved watch watching you know different players but he 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 was the guy that always caught my eye he was the guy that was that was the one that I that I kind of um, kind of uh, I guess was who I am tried to play like, right? I wanted to be like him. So you want to emulate anybody else. Yeah. Okay. All right. Rick Middleton. Interesting. What about you, Petey? Well, it's very, why do you ask? <clears throat> Pretty simple question. Well, because uh, like J so Jr admires this guy and then he ends up, would you say you were probably be honest, a better player than Rick Middleton? Yes. Yes. Okay. So yes. Jr. ends up becoming a better player than Rick Middleton. So I was, I was, <laughs> my favorite player was Mario Lemieux. I tried to emulate Mario Lemieux and uh, it only worked up until I was about 14. And then after, <laughs> after, after that, there were, there were always guys that were, you know, maybe not as tall as I was, but stronger. And, and, you know, there's always guys that were more willing to be more physical, even if you played physical. So that got shut down real hard. And then, uh, then it became a Darren McCarty. Then Darren McCarty was, became one of my, uh, one of my favorite players. I, 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 I love Darren as, as one of the best guys ever. He's a good friend of mine. I love Darren. I, I got love a, that. He's, I got he a great, scored in the playoffs uh, against Philadelphia. Yeah, Philadelphia is sick. Oh, sick. Uh, he won sick. my heart that year, sick, and he's yeah. tough as nails. And I think, mm-hmm. 
I think even now after hockey being open about his issues and his book yeah. and yeah. his problems, yeah. it makes you love the guy even more. So he's, I think he's awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. I love yeah. him. He's the yeah. ultimate team player, right? So, you know, when I, when I was playing, I'll give you my, my one Darren McCarty uh, uh, story. Um, I played for the Kingston Frontenacs in the OHL and right up the road was the Belleville Bulls. We were, they were 45 minutes up the road, a huge, huge rival. These two teams, there was hatred beyond hatred for years. We're playing in, in uh, the big Belleville arena and it was an awesome arena and things got a little out of hand. And uh, third period, I ended up getting in a fight, not to my wanting, uh, I dropped the gloves with Darren McCarty. And at that time, he was undisputed heavyweight in the OHL. I was 17 years old. He was 19. Well, he threw about 40 punches and <laughs> did no damage, did no damage in these 40 punches, but fed me my lunch like something fierce. I was as scared as you can possibly imagine. But let me tell you, when you're scared, you throw one to the rafters and you hope it hits. Yeah. Well, I threw a punch and I did not know where it was going, but I hit him right in the visor and the visor cut his face. Oh, nice. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I was, I was doing like, I was doing the belt thing, going to the box and he lost his marbles. You could get, you could get murdered in a fight, but if he's the only one bleeding, that's the I best. was 17 years old. I was so stupid. And I did the belt thing in Belleville. The <laughs> crowd was going nuts. <laughs> Lost his marbles so bad in the box, trying to jump over the box where the, where the score, scorekeepers were, that he ended up getting kicked out of the game. And I'm oh, like, thank God. Oh, thank thank God. the <laughs> Lord, right? Because um, – <laughs> Now that it, now that the emotion, I'm sitting in the box, and I actually thought about what I did. I'm like, that could have been the stupidest thing I've ever I've ever done in my life. But anyway, at the end of that game, we had Chris Gratton, who was our first rounder at the time. He was a 16 year old kid. He was six foot three. He was 215 pounds, and he ended up laying out Brent Gretzky. Hmm. There was, immediately once he went down, there was a brawl. I mean, guys jumped the boards from, from Belleville. We had our coach yelling at us, get out, get over, get over the boards. It was, <laughs> my, first, it was my first bench clearing brawl. I skate out onto the ice and I grab my first guy. I don't even know this. I, I think his name was, his last name was Bailey. And he was a 6'5", 230-pound defenseman. And I'm thinking to myself, how, how is the guy that I grab? I cannot believe this. And now I've got him in. The, I've got him in the, the clinches of life. Like, I am not letting this guy go. And he's Hold on for dear life, man. Greg Bailey, 6'4", 230. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> anyway i'm grabbing on this guy i'm i'm cutting off circulation in his arms with his sweater because i'm grabbing i'm so scared and he looks at me and there's fights everywhere it was a melee he look looks at me and says you're gonna go one way and i'm gonna go the other and i looked at him and i said are you serious he goes yes so i let him go 
and he skated one way and just started <laughs> suckering guys on our team. And I went down to the other end and I, I, uh, went in to help out our captain, Dave Stewart at the time, who was going a three on one. Okay. And I, we got caught up against the boards and my captain says to me, he looks over and he says, just put your head down and throw. <laughs> and I just sat there and threw haymakers, not like in the air. I just, I was so scared. But at the end of this game, I'm th sitting there thinking to myself, my, no more hitting, no more belt stuff with, uh, you know, showing off the Darren McCarty. So, it was so, so you, you scared, you scared the shit, you scared the shit out of a six, four, 230 pound guy by, by knocking. That's how I interpret it. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm looking well, at Greg what? Bailey like right now. He he had 50 games in the OHL that year, only 36 pins. I, I want no part. I don't want part of you, I don't Riv. think he wanted a piece of you, Riv. I was a fiery little guy. Like, yeah. listen, I mean, at that time, at 17, I was I was six foot one, and I weighed 167 pounds. I was like wafer wow. thin, and I'm grabbing this guy who's 230, six four, six five. And I was, and you know, guess what? I mean, push comes to shove. If we were going, he, we were going to go. And I was going to try and bite his ankles or whatever yeah. needed to happen. Yeah. I would gouge. You want to know that? You want to know the difference between defensemen and forwards? I'm going to tell you, Mike Bunch clearing brawl in Minnesota. Um, it was this was before they had referees that came out for warmups to watch and make sure you know that everything was okay in warmups. Yeah. Well, Basil Basil McRae, um hit Wayne Van Dorp as they went across the, the red line. Basil McRae came over the red line and, and clipped uh, Van Dorp. Well, it became a melee, 20 on 20 during warmups. This is in, in the old Met Center in, in Minnesota. And I'm 20, 20 years old, and the fr I, my shit in my pants because there's gloves everywhere, punches everywhere. Now, you were 160 pounds. I was 158, okay, one, 160 <laughs> at the time. So I'm like, what the? what the fuck am I going to do? I'm like, what, what? so I immediately skate right to Mike Medano and I grab Mike Medano and Mike Medano goes, Oh, thank God I found you, man. Let's just creep over to the corner and just watch this shit show and pretend that we're wrestling. So <laughs> Mike Medano over there, like pushing each other and like, all right, keep pushing, pretend we're <laughs> going to stay away from all these people. We're going to get knocked out. So Mike, Mike Medano and I uh, avoided what could have been a, a, a career ending, uh, melee and warm-ups but god hey Rip, anyway, it, it yeah. was nice to be a star right you know what it's man. nice to be smart enough to find the star and then to go <laughs> let's go, oh. let's go uh, figure skate into the corner there and uh that was sheer fear man that was sheer fear where's mike madonna where mike where are you yeah awful uh, an, uh, an awful yeah. feeling and thank god you know we don't see that anymore because it uh yeah, no, I not agree not good times, but uh, I agree with better you. times agree ahead with in in, uh, in in these leagues. Now it's just there's so much skill. There's it's a different brand of hockey, and uh, it's it's much we're much better off. Well, let's let's talk about that for a second, Jr. Because uh, I think one of the biggest stories in hockey, and we we haven't actually had any conversations with you about this in the last year and a half or so is Alex Ovechkin and, and the Wayne Gretzky record. He scored two more last night. He is absolutely on fire. And I guess I have two questions for you. One, and you can answer them however you want. Will he do it? But number two, do you want him to pass Wayne Gretzky's record? Well, you know, I think that's, that's, a, that's a, both of those are great questions. 
I, I watched and watched social media when Patrick Marlowe passed Gordie Howe's playing record. And, you know, as great of an accomplishment that is to play that long and to play that many games, there were a lot of people that were pissed off that Patrick Marlowe passed Gordie Howe. Like, show some respect to the, you know, to the, you know, to the Mr. Hockey, right? Let him keep it, which I didn't really agree with. I think records are meant to be broken. And I think it's a good way to celebrate the game when records are broken. So when Marlowe passed uh, Gordie Howe, um, I thought that, that was, that was great. I mean, it was a, an amazing accomplishment. Do, now, do you want a guy like Gretzky to relinquish probably the, the greatest um, record in the history of hockey? Uh, I can tell you every Canadian is going to say, absolutely not. They are rooting against Alex Ovechkin um, to break. Not Gretzky's this record. Canadian JR. Well, not good for Canadian. you. Rick. I'm going to tell you, I, from the, from good the moment. Tell, tell me, tell, tell me why. Cause Gretz is like the, he is like the ultimate hockey ambassador yeah. and, and has done more for hockey than anybody on the planet. Yes. And um, Alex Ovechkin is a Russian has not really done as much for hockey, especially here in, in, uh, in North America. So why, why, why would you want somebody like that to break uh, your home country's superheroes record? Yeah, it's you tell. You know, when you say it like that, thanks, JR, for leading that <laughs> up. And, uh, <laughs> like, let me let me take a second here. I might have to uh, revamp my answer. But citizenship about to be revoked. I bet you. You know what, though, Rev? I bet you Putin will call it. He'll give you a Russian citizenship. Yeah. Well, listen. I'm going to tell <laughs> just you just for just I, for siding with Ovi. Yeah, I highly respect the way Alex Ovechkin has played his entire career in the National Hockey League. This young man came into the league. He was drafted first overall. Um, he put up, I think it was 52 goals in his first year, 108 points. And this young man's longevity, you know, I think he's 35 years old right now. And you would think at some point in time, you have to slow down. The body starts to break down the mental fatigue of playing in a league this long with the pressures that these elite players have each and every night starts to wear on you. And I look at Alex Ovechkin and you look at what he has done. His worst year in the national hockey league was 33 goals, 33 goals. This young man, I shouldn't say young man, he's young man to us, but this, this player at age 35 has seven goals in six games. He's 35 years old. I just look at the consistency and how he has scored against a very, very different product of goaltender that he yep. is trying to score on. He and brand of hockey. Against, yep. he's, he's playing against the best players in the world. These defensemen are not like they were back in the 80s. And it's no disrespect to anyone back then. It's... I just think that the level of player that Alex Ovechkin has to compete against to try and score goals is extremely, extremely yeah. difficult. Totally, totally agree with you. And that's always been my kind of my analysis of, of Alex Ovechkin. It's harder to score goals today than it was back in the nineties and the, and the eighties and especially the seventies. Number one, the goaltenders are more athletic. They're bigger, they're stronger. Yeah. Oh. They are in better shape. Uh, there's better equipment. You have defensemen that are better skaters that are 
longer, bigger, stronger, more athletic, better shape, faster. So to score goals in the National Hockey League right now and Alex Ovechkin being able to do that still consistently the way that he has has been unbelievable. And I have said publicly, I think Alex Ovechkin is the best goal scorer I have ever seen. I think the best goal scorer that the league has ever seen, regardless of Wayne Gretzky's record. And I'll, and I'll say that until the end. Now, one thing I think is going to really hurt Alex is the amount of games that were missed during COVID. He missed 15 games at the end of 2020. He missed 32, 34 games in the shortened season in 2021. Those games are going to be crucial because it is so close, nip and tuck, whether he's going to be able to get there. What does he need, another um, – Hundred and no, he's seventy. He, he needs another hundred seven thirty. He's at seven thirty-seven right now, and Gretzky was at what? Eight ninety-four. So he needs a hundred, hundred and forty-seven goals. Okay, he's hundred and forty-seven goals. He's thirty-five. Uh, you, you would think he's going to play probably till he's forty. So he's got five years to score that. I mean, it's very, very possible. There's no question. If All right, I and, think he's going to play until he beats that record. You know, I, I tell you right hey, now, listen, Alex Ovechkin I'm, I'm throw some, right I'm now throw could score 47 goals. That means he has 100 goals to go. And if he has to score 20 goals a year for the next five years after that. You can just put him on the on power play yeah. one-timer. He'll get you 12 okay, a year. I'm going to say two things. that you, One thing that you said, Riv. You said that you've loved his game ever since he came into the league. Well, I haven't. I've loved his goal scoring. But Alex Ovechkin, for his first eight years of his career, was yeah. a lazy, lazy yeah. defensive player. He would cookie turn monster. Over the he puck. was a cookie monster. Yeah, he would turn over the puck. He would, he would, he would lollygag back defensively. He wouldn't move his feet. And then when the puck turned over, he was on the offense and he was getting in position to score. Okay, that's being a young player. When Alex Ovechkin became a captain and learned how to play the right way on both sides of the puck became responsible, became a good leader. That's when they win a championship. And he was still able to score goals at the same time. That's when I, when Alex Ovechkin became one of my favorite players of all time because yep. he became a complete player. But let me tell you coming. this. Let me tell you this. But Alex Ovechkin wouldn't be chasing Wayne Gretzky right now. He would be chasing Yarmir Yager if Yarmir Yager didn't take three years off and go over to – over to Europe and play in Czech again for three years. And with the, how unbelievable of an athlete that Yager is, he's still playing in Czech. Not that he would be playing in the National Hockey League, yeah. but he's second all-time, and he missed three entire years of National Hockey League play. To me, I think Yarmir Yager is the best point, point producer I've ever seen. But the ovechkin gretzky goal mark is going to be a lot of fun to watch over the next few years and so i and love i love how ahead. you're talking about how you did not like how alex ovechkin played in his first number of years but he seemed to kind of figure it out he got he got some good coaching okay that yeah. wanted to change yeah. his game but when you look at his first five years in the national hockey league he had 52 goals as an 18 year old he had 52 goals and 106 points in 81 games. The next year, he had 46 goals, 92 points. The next year, 65 goals, 112 points. The next year, 56 goals, 110 points. The next year, it was 50 goals, 109 points. This is all okay. in his first okay. five years. You ready? Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready? Look, look at, um, look at his years, 2011, 2012, right around in there. 
Look yeah. at his plus minus. Yeah, he had. He, he was had. A, he was a minus. He was a minus thirty-four one year. He got okay. criticized the 35. one year. He scored fifty. Did that dance on the the hot stick, but he was like minus thirty-eight or something that year. Yeah. yeah. And he took a lot of okay. heat for that. And that picture there was another- that. Picture that. Look at how many points that you score in a year, and you're minus thirty-five. That's fucking hard to do, man. <laughs> there should be an award for that. Most but points in highest plus minus. You're talking about his plus minus, okay? He was minus 35 okay, in one yeah, year. But, but he was minus yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, four hold on. years out of 17. Let him finish, Riff. But hold on, hold on. But he went from minus 35 that year, and something sparked in him because he was a plus player in the next year. Yep. So something happened in that, in that time frame that said, hey, I can't do this anymore. I can, and that's, that was what, that's why Washington won a, a Stanley Cup. Fair enough. And I'll end this topic on this, with this question. And, and it's not because I feel like you've avoided it. The conversation just hasn't gotten there yet. But an- just answer the question for us. Just, just appease me. Yep. Do you want him to pass Gretzky's record? No, okay. I love Alex. I love Alex. I love Alex. He's great. I, I, I do love him. But I don't know. There's just something about the, the aura of Wayne Gretzky that I just, I want, I want to stay there. Sorry. I wonder, like, I wonder what, I wonder if that record, do you think Gretzky really wants Ovi? Like, he's classy. You know, oh, yeah. like, you know, he's sitting there saying, like, oh, it would be great for the game if he passed it. And, and I mean, I hear him on, on, uh, is he TNT? Is he TNT or ESPN? Yeah, yes. I can't remember. TNT. Right? TNT. They've TNT. hired so many guys. I can't, I can't keep, keep track, but, but you know, I heard him and you know, he's, he always is, is very diplomatic and he always says very respectful things about the league, even though I think he's kind of been hosed in hockey a little bit over the years. Uh, but that's a different story maybe, but, but I just, do you no. think he, how the hell no. has he been hosed in hockey? No. He is like nobody royalty in hockey. Nobody wants their records to be broken. I don't give a shit how humble you are in the press. Okay. You know, okay. Okay. I, I, I had I had a I had a record for the World Juniors, right? For the World Juniors for U.S. players. That's that right. Tw- Twenty four years, right? And then uh, that Schroeder Schroeder Schrader kid from Minnesota last broke year, it. right? Uh, no, he broke it in 2014 or 2015. Oh, I thought, okay, I thought but, it was – so it is rather uh, but, but Trevor Zegris, Trevor Zegris since did again. Okay, okay there, that's I, what it was. But, yeah. but I had the record for like 24, 25 – more, almost 30 years almost it seems like. Well, I didn't want him to break my record. So And I, <laughs> and I, was, I was happy for the kid. I'm like, way to go, Schrader. You broke my record. Congratulations. And I said – but in my mind, I'm going – Fuck, man. I said, he was in three tournaments. I was in two. He should have an asterisk next to his name. I he have more the, point, you know, He has I more ha- points than I did, but I, I played less games. I have the Ridley College middle school high jump record, and I wonder if it still stands. <laughs> 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 I broke the record by like 0.01 meters, and it was like, it was like, like, like half a centimeter. And it's I nicked the bar, and the thing was wobbling, and I got off the mat before it didn't fall or anything. But anyway, that's the only record I have. Uh, anyway, it's a, rec- it's a record. It, it's a record. I got to check and see if it's still in the book. Uh, there aren't very many, you know, elite so athletes to like question, I am at Ridley. To, to, end, to end the segment, to end, end the segment, I love 
Ovi. I love him to death, but I'd love to see Gretz hold up to that record. Okay. I, I, I like that answer. I, I would have liked either answer, but I like that answer. So let's talk about, do you think there'll ever be another 200-point player as McDavid? 100%. Yeah, you think so? Really? I think so. Have you watched this kid? Have you watched oh, him play absolutely. a game and a game in, game out you know, basis? Uh, I've watched probably five of his seven games or five of his six games that he's played. Uh, every single time the guy's on the ice, something happens every time. And that's to me, that that's the mark of a superstar when something happens offensively every single time you're on the ice. And this kid puts up points like nobody that we've seen in a long time. I mean, last year, hundred points in 50 games, you know, what's, I mean, he's got three, three in his last two. He just, he's a point producer I, playing with, with dry sidle. I, he, I think he will reach the 200 point marker at one point in the next three, four years. Wow. Really? You know what? I, I would love to see that because everybody loves goals and they love dynamic play. And he is the pinnacle of dynamic play with his speed and his skill set and what he does on the ice. He is mesmerizing. I just don't believe that Connor McDavid can get to 200 points because I think this league is the strongest it has ever been in the history of the game. The sixth defense. Let me ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Because that's a good point. I, I think the game is as strong as it's ever been. But do you think the players are as good as they've ever been? Yes. Like, like so. So you think that this generation right now can match our generation with Hall, Gretzky, Messier, Lemieux, Coffey, Eisenman, Fedorov, McGillney, Bure. Uh, I, I can go on and, and yeah, you're say, you're 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 leaving guys off because there are so many, so many. Yeah, I don't think you know we what have, Jr. I, I don't I don't think I don't think this this league has forgot as Mike Gardner many, as many as we've had back in the '90s. So you know, yes, but I still think the product of the player. No, I'm saying there's is, two different is, things. Yes, they are two different things, and I think there are there. I think what you're saying, Jr. is that. There is that maybe maybe top to bottom roster wise now fourth liners to first liners there's more overall talent, but back then there were a lot more stars dominating the game. Superstars. There were like, like think about it. There were twenty guys getting hundred points. Yeah, mega stars. Twenty. Sure. We are lucky now if we get two, three, yeah. four, five. And that's that's and because that's, of parity. That's, that's because of the parity, right? That's the parity. That's because that's what I'm talking the difference about. the difference between first line players and fourth line players are not the difference in in physical talent, maybe more brains and, um, you know, decision-making. where I'm going at this, JR. Connor McDavid plays against the best defense pairing and the best line on every single, on every single team. Yep. And if that coach in Edmonton can find a way to get Connor McDavid on against maybe a third line or a fourth mm -hmm. line, he has a better chance of scoring against those lines. But here's the thing. The fourth and the third lines in the NHL today are really, really good hockey players. Yeah, They're they not are. the same as what they were back in the 90s where, you know, you had, you know, a fourth line that typically would not be able to play against a Jeremy Roenick. Jeremy yeah. Roenick gets put on against a fourth line. 
it's like ding 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 yeah. the lights going on yeah. the red light it's, the music's, uh, it's, the crowds it's, up it's, it's so true jeremy so roenick is going to yeah. absolutely dominate the third and fourth lines that he played against back in the day. It's a, well, it's a great point. I would have liked to have seen you in your prime take a run at Mayor Coletta Peters, but you know what? We'll, you know, we'll have to just we'll have to just use our imaginations for that one. It, you know, I was watching I was watching Edmonton uh, against the Coyotes the other day. We knew it was a it was a um, a, a, a going to be a blowout, but the Coyotes did as much as they possibly could to shadow uh, McDavid. Right, every time McDavid was on the ice, somebody was following him. If puck came to him, somebody was on him. Guy still had two goals and an assist, regardless of who was watching him. And you're exactly right. But the diff, like like I said, the difference of the players that put the big points on the board and put it's it's there's it's their hockey sense and their decision making and being able to see the ice. Because listen, there are some third line players in this league that can skate like the wind, that can stick handle like through a you know in a phone booth, that can shoot the puck like as as hard as possible. But they're dumb as a bag of rocks and can't get the job done because they make every wrong decision in the fucking book. Whereas Connor McDavid makes all the right decisions, sees it, sees the game differently. The whole thing opens up and he sees the game different rather than in, in a, in a tube, like some of these players that have absolutely yeah. no hockey sense. And that's what separates the Connor McDavid's at the, at the level that he, he plays. So we're at. talking about Connor McDavid. Could he be the first player to get 200 points and, I don't even know who who's the last player. To he's, the one, he's the only one. There's only yeah. one that's ever Mario, done. It. Mar, 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 Mario, Mario, Mario. No, he didn't. Mario had 199. He missed some games though, but he had 199. Wow, wow. I think Connor McDavid is the only player, the only one. Do you know how many points he's on pace for right now? 208. No, he has, he has uh, five games played. Jr. He has he has six goals yeah. and 13 points. He's on pace for 210 points. He has 48 points in the last 17 games going back to last year. Think about that. 48 points in the last 17 games. This guy's not slowing down, man. And with barring injury, he, he, he could do it. That's crazy to even think. Do you think, they, you think they'll win a cup there? Absolutely shocked. Do you think they'll I, win I, a cup? I, They're undefeated right now. Will, will they? They have, they have the possibility to now. A lot. I'm surprised that they're not getting as much attention this year. Everybody's been complaining how bad Edmonton's been over the last five or six years, how they can't win with all the first picks that they've had going back 10 years. But now they're undefeated, and nobody's giving them the props that they, that they probably should deserve. I think they're a goaltender away because, you know, Koskinen I don't think is the goaltender. Mike Smith is, is too old to be the goaltender. I think if they can find a quality – younger goaltender and probably a stronger fourth you know checking line maybe one more defenseman i think they could in the next few years they can they can battle for a stanley cup when you have mcdavid you have dry whether nugent hopkins is is at his left his prime or not he can still be effective you have yamamoto who's still real good they have quality players on that team that that yeah i think they could win one like this, like this year. See, I, I said to you guys last night in our text message, I said, I said, I'll, I never see them winning in Edmonton. And that's not because I don't want to see them win in Edmonton. I, I just think that you got the money tied up in, in McDavid. You got the money tied up in Dreisaitl and Nurse now. Um, and 
no, you have to, I mean, yeah, they brought in Zach Hyman, but they paid him a ton and you got to pay your guys internally to stay there like a Nugent Hopkins. I just don't see them being a draw enough. Is McDavid, I guess my question is, JR, if you're a free is agent. Is Zach Hyman getting it done? Is he getting it done? If you're they a free agent, him. JR, if you're a free agent, if Edmonton has McDavid and you can go there for a chance to win or go somewhere else to a team where you'll have a chance to win too, are you going to admit? I'm not trying to knock the market. I'm not because they're a legendary market. But I'm saying, are you choosing as a top-tier free agent to go to Edmonton to play with McDavid or go somewhere else? I think that's a good question. It is a really good question. I think it depends on where you are in your career, right? If you're a little older player, I think you'd, you'd be more willing to take a chance to go play with a player like McDavid, watch him play every, every night, support a guy like that, have a chance to do that. I think if you're a younger player that's, that has really good upside, has a, has a good, good uh, earning potential over the next couple of years, you probably don't go to Edmonton. And, and, I'll, and I'll say this, and, and I don't care whether people don't like it, but if you're an American kid and you have a lot of, lot of talent and you're looking to, to make some money, you're not going to go to Edmonton and live in Edmonton just for a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And I, Canadian, I appreciate you saying if, if you're, that. If you're a Canadian – and you know you're from Alberta, you're from uh, Saskatchewan, or something like that. Yeah, you, you would take that chance and go there. That's your lifestyle. Living in Edmonton, Edmonton's a great city, and it's a fun city. Yes, but it's not like an American city, and it's very much different lifestyle than an American city. And it's cold as fuck up there, so it's it's a lifestyle too. So I think a lot of things go into into that into that decision. It's so cold. Like, I mean, people down in the States, like, honestly, like, you're, like, you're walking around, you got your your toques on, your winter jacket on. I'm going to tell you, it's a different type of cold when you get up in in Edmonton in the wintertime. The wind's gusting. It is bone chilling. How if cool. I'm, oh, but I'm gonna, if but I'm, I'm gonna go, but I'm gonna go play. I'm gonna go play for less because I can win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah. Well, Fuck you know, that, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? It's it's funny. If I were the GM of the Oilers, I would be looking, and it, it's not against American kids because I say this about football and the Bills. Like, why would you draft a player to come play for Buffalo that's from Florida or plays at F- Florida? Like, it to me, it makes no sense. They're gonna be they're gonna be miserable right out of the gate, right? So if I'm the yeah. GM of Edmonton, I'm unless, drafting unless, you. Unless you're, unless you're a Kachuk. If you're a Kachuk, you play for anybody. It doesn't matter. Well, that okay, but they're they're a different yeah. breed, though, right? They're yeah. a different. They're exactly a different correct. Breed. But I mean, I'm looking at like the Scandinavians, you know, your your Swedes, your Finns, your Russians too, and Canadians to load up that roster because they're already used to the to the. Oh, by the way, by the way, if you're from if you're from if you're from Sweden, right? Beautiful country. That's exactly where you want to go. You want to go right to Edmonton. Just go lay your lay your ass and freeze in Edmonton to try to win a Stanley Cup for less money. Yeah, they are just going to throw this out there. The mind's the mind's like uh, I got the hamster wheel going right now. You say Kachuk, <laughs> I say yes. Yes, Calgary. 100%. Calgary has been yeah. interested in Jack. Boom yeah. shakalaka. Let's go. Uh, hey, Kachuk, I almost right, went we'll... to Cal- I almost went to Calgary before I went to Phoenix in two thousand six. Uh, I was talking, literally was talking to Daryl Sutter on the phone. I was getting ready to sign and I hung up the phone from Daryl Sutter because I was getting a call on, on my, on my phone and it was Gretz and Gretz asked me to come play in Phoenix where, where I lived and I had already played. And, you know, if Gretz asked you to come play for him, you probably should come play for him. So literally yeah. I was getting ready to say yes to go up and play in Calgary for Daryl Sutter. 
And I had to call him back and say, oh, sorry, that was Gratz. I'm going to play in Phoenix. <laughs> he handled it. It was crazy. It was, uh, he, he understood. I mean, Daryl and I are, are great friends and we've been great friends for a long time. And, you know, he understood. It was, yeah. it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Tell me this. And this is what happens when, when we talk, we end up, we, we find another conversation. What was Gretzky like as a coach? Like, why difficult. wasn't there, why wasn't difficult. there success? Why wasn't there success there? Because I, I know guys loved him. Yeah. Oh, loved him. Like the, playing for Gretz as the person. Awesome. Like, cause he was one of the guys and he treated the guys like he was still a, a player. Right. And it was great. He was, he was not the disciplinary one. He, he led that, let that to, to other people, but it's so hard, so hard when you're, it's so hard when you are Wayne Gretzky in general with your lifestyle, with where you have to go with people, you know, telling you to come here, asking you to come here. The, the amount of time that you need to be a coach is drastic. You gotta be, you gotta be in it all the time. You have to be at the yeah. rink. You have to be watching tape. You have to be set, you know, planning new, new strategies, game plans, game in, game out. Gretzky didn't have time to do that. So he couldn't and, separate uh, being Gretzky, the empire, and Gretzky, the coach. I, I mean, I can't Not, imagine yeah. how hard that would for be. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and yeah. No, I don't think anybody could have, but everybody expected Wayne Gretzky, the coach, to be the same as Wayne Gretzky. It would be like player. asking just, Michael Jordan to become gonna, a coach. That, that's not going to happen. And um, him and I, even though we respected each other, we were friends, we locked horns like crazy. Because you guys know when you walk into the room, now I, I'm towards the end of my career, just came off an awful year in L.A., I was in the best shape, probably the best shape I've been in in a long time coming into Phoenix. And I was still on the fourth line. And sometimes I was that guy that was the fourth guy on the fourth line, right? That always pissed me off something fierce. So sometimes we had the four lines on the board for practice. And then we had the two guys, me and somebody else that were up in the corner, like take take some shifts in on, on the on the. You don't drills, have to explain right? it to me. That was my life in the show. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, we all, hey, this, we all I, went through it, right? I know. I so, know. so I would go into practice and I would stand at the blue line with my arm against the boards like this to stand against the boards while the guys were doing their, 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 their rotations through the, and, and Gretz would be standing at the red line on a stick watching the, you know, three on twos go and the breakouts go. And he'd look at me and goes, JR, are you going to take a, are you going to take a shift? And I said, Gretz, you're going to give me a line? And, and he goes, maybe. And I said, well, then maybe I'll take a shift. But if you give me a line, I'll take a shift. If you're going to put me up in that fucking corner again, I'm just going to stand here and just watch. And he's like, whatever, JR, whatever you want to do. And that, that's how, like, I don't understand why you're on, why were you on the fourth line in the first place? Say they just, they just didn't give me the time of day. They didn't give me the, they didn't give me the opportunity really to, um, to play fourth line play third line i mean played fourth line most of the most of the year uh when players got hurt i went up to the third line but i just didn't get the shot i think they i think they signed me more to try to get people to come into the stands rather than have me have me play that was my well, jr like the, your first year in phoenix you had 29 goals and 69 points and 70 yeah but this weeks. was in that, that was in 20 this was in uh 20 uh, 2006 when i went back to play after my LA year, which I was oh, terrible. Okay. I played junior yeah. with a guy that played one game in the NHL and he, he played one game in the NHL and it was the first game of his career. And he was on your line. His name was Brad Ralph. Yeah, sure. 
Yeah, I played I played in Oshawa with him, and I remember I remember uh, he got he got drafted by Phoenix and well, Phoenix then Arizona now Phoenix, and he was a second rounder. I think I think he was a second rounder, uh, might have been a first rounder. But um, anyway, he played one game that year, and uh, it was on your line. I can't remember who your linemate That's was, a, but yeah, I, I remember that. We also wanted to talk a little bit of Olympics uh, before we we let you go. And Riv just actually asked you how many how many Olympics did you did you actually play in? I played in two. Got I played in Nagano, which uh, which the Canadian media total totally screwed the United States by saying that we wrecked the uh, wrecked the um, Olympic Olympic Village, which is total bullshit. What happened? But we did. Can we, what what we did the, can we get the true story on that? Because I'm going to tell you that painted a terrible picture for American yeah. hockey. Yeah. Well, listen. We did not play well. We, we embarrassed ourselves on the ice. I think we finished fifth or sixth in the, in the tournament. Um, throughout the whole tournament, when we were in, the do- in our dorms, in our, in our rooms, the, the, literally the furniture broke underneath us. We'd be sitting watching television or playing cards, and then, bam, the, the chair would disintegrate right underneath where we were sitting. And, you know, these... These chairs and this furniture, literally, we had to pile up in the corners, and and it looked it looked like it was that we were breaking stuff and all. Regardless of the fact, there was a there was a player that got a practical joke played on them earlier in the week, and the guys are going to get them back. And all all that was is they went into this room and they unloaded a fire extinguisher on him while he was sleeping. Now. If you've ever been seen a fire extinguisher, yeah, it makes a lot of mess, but it dries up and it goes away and you can clean it up with a vacuum cleaner. And the goddamn Canadian press made it sound like we just, like we literally tore down the whole dormitory in the Olympic village to make us look bad. It was not bad at all. So, but who was it? Who? Okay. I guess you guys are sworn to secrecy. Yeah. Those, 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 those will never come out publicly who did it, but. I mean, so we, it, we had we we had a we had a very mis- mischievous crew at the U.S. You know, oh for the U.S. Man. teams for many years. It, it could I be, cannot and, believe and, and, and this thing. is this is why this is why everybody doesn't know because there's probably 13 guys on that team that it could have been, but <laughs> none of but. <laughs> we we won't we 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 won't. Well, I don't think anybody will ever. You know, it's, am- it's amazing that you, you, you say that story. It's, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing inside because I had the same thing happen on a team that I played at in the world championships that we were in uh, the same situation <laughs> that um, we were in a certain city and we, we had to travel to um, um, I can't remember what uh, Turku, Finland, where the where the finals were where the semifinals were and we had asked a, a player on the team to come out and he had kind of said no i'm going to get to bed early and his wife was in the room also and the whole shooting match and a couple of guys off the team went upstairs and unscrewed the keyhole or the eye eye hole and stuck that little <laughs> nozzle into the eye hole and just gave a and little just a little bit of the the juice and the fire extinguisher exploded and filled the entire room. It was like a white winter wonderland. And now 
the cop cars are showing up the 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 fire trucks the whole shooting match we were we sprinted i was not part of it i was i was just kind of like a second oh not you not you oh, not me, no, no way. way but uh we we had to we had to hide under desks in in rooms in this hotel room to to wait that all the police officers <laughs> left in the whole shooting match. But we, uh, used to, we used to hide under desks and behind curtains for different reasons, Rev, but that's okay. That's yeah, good. there you go. <laughs> yeah. you oh. know so there you have, now you can say, now you can say that Canada's no different. Like, it's just hockey. That's hockey guys being hockey guys. I mean, my yeah. God, how many times have well, we seen go, someone's let's, bedroom let's in the hallway? Let's, let's go back to the question whether the, of the Olympics and the NHL guys going back there, because I don't know about you guys. But the fact that they took the last Olympics off uh, in, in Korea and now they're going back because it's in China and the, the National Hockey League has a, is, is trying very hard to get their, uh, their footprint into China. They have people over there creating hockey leagues and teaching people in China to play hockey. Um, and now the NHL is going back, which is a probably a worse situation than what South Korea was back in 18. Um, makes me kind of wonder, you know, whether everything that they do, it's a, is it an all money decision? Because before it was, um, it was the time zone, whether people are going to be watching, the health of the players, breaking up the season, you know, this is a total money oh, decision they, by the National Hockey League to make. I will, I will say this, and I agree. I think there has been, on num from numerous points, players, league, lots of contradictions when it comes to the Olympics. You know, like, uh, you know, even last year, the players, you know, whining about condensed schedule and all that stuff. Well, it's never going to be more condensed than it's going to be this year. Um, and now you want to go to the Olympics. I mean, you know, because it's all about negotiation tactic too, right? Some of it now... Oh, there's obviously a lot of pieces in between there, but I mean, so where, but I understand what you're saying, but are you in favor of players going to the Olympics? Do you like the experience for the players? Do you like the disruption for the league? Um, or, or would you rather just see them do a world cup every couple of years where they get to keep the revenue for it? Like you're a big business guy when it comes to the, yeah. comes to I the would game, rather, you know? I would, I would rather see a world cup to tell you the truth in the summer because these kids are playing these kids are playing and practicing in August anyway, in September, you can have a, you can have a really cool world cup in, in September and allow these kids, especially from Czech Republic, Finland, Sweden, Russia, that love to play for their own country and battle for their own country. Um, give them that opportunity. I would rather see that. Although the Olympics has been so What's historical. What's the pinnacle of hockey? It, that's well. Well, listen. I think the pinnacle of sports is the Olympics, right? It's the best yeah. players in the world of that sport. There's no question. So that's what I've always loved about the Olympics, and I love the fact that listen, if you're going to have the Olympics, you got to have the NHL players there because they are the pinnacle. But you know, if you're going to make the decision to put them there, keep them there. Don't you know? Don't take them out one year. Put them in the next. Take them out one year. You know, make your decision to keep it. Like, listen, I mean, I look at the, the Olympics as, as the greatest honor. Um, it's the pinnacle of hockey. And you look at the NHL and, and you're, you're talking about, you know, the, them, you know, trying to dive into the market in the country of, of, of China. I mean, there's 1.4 billion people there. 
I mean, mm-hmm. the market is, is huge. And to have the Olympics there this year, I think it's, you're selling uh, to, to an incredible, incredible market yeah. to people around well, the world. It's something, it's something that the National Hockey League needs right now because their revenue is just taking a shit right. kick in over right. the next, over the last couple of years. And the players, like we talked about last week, are in, in dire straits because they owe the league a billion dollars. And if they don't find a way to increase their revenue, National Hockey League players are going to be playing for free in two or three years. So getting that, chi- that Chinese money is big for them. Now, I'm sure there are a lot of people that are around this country right now, especially around the United States, are saying, who gives a fuck about China? You know, they, they have sweatshops. They have all these things, and they're against China. And they don't give a shit whether the National Hockey League gets that China, Chinese money. But it's very important to the National Hockey League on their bottom dollar. Well, the NBA they, did it. The yeah. NBA did it, yeah. and it, and, it, and they, killed, they killed it. The NBA exploded yeah. when they took the bull to China. But they also, take, they also take a beating. They also take a beating from the media and from a lot of people by supporting a country that doesn't give human rights to their citizens. And that's always, that's always going to be a debate, whether you like it or not. If, if there's no right or wrong to it, it's always going to be just a problem. Always. Hmm. Interesting take. Very, very interesting take. Um, I'll, I'll take that take. It's, no, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating take because it's, it's one that I think player. is overlooked because when you think sports, you don't always think those things. You don't think about, you know, I, you just, you don't. I mean, you think about just revenue and where it's coming from, and you don't think about uh, all the all the. Well, that, that's, that that's, what the that's, that's what the National Hockey League thinks. They think only revenue. And whether they have to or not, that's all they think about is revenue. Well, what about the other 90, 95% or 90% of players uh, in, the, in the National Hockey League? I think they're voting for it too because they get those, that two weeks off. It's the best, that's the best <laughs> break of all time is when. I, I, think, I, think the, I think the players I think the players are definitely in favor of it. That's oh, for absolutely. Sure. I agree oh, with you. I, agree. I, I, I was able to be in the league. Are you talking about two. Bahamas in February? Are you shitting me? Let's yeah. go, man. It, that yeah. was hey, some of the best have, conversations. Have I still remember. I can still remember the, uh, I can still remember the, uh, the workout, uh, um, regime they gave us. They, they printed it out daily. You had to ride the bike for 45 minutes. You had to do leg workout. You had to do bands, this, that, and the other. What? I I came back. It was like, I had been off for two years. I mean, with, uh, with how much fun. Some of the best conversation was leading up to the Olympic break. Coaches always had to say, keep your head in the, in the game tonight. You know, I know everyone's talking about where they're going and what, where they're going. That's right. What you're doing. Thomas. We had a guy, we had a guy go to Fiji. (laughs) It's like, I was in Jersey. Someone went to Fiji. I mean, it's like, it was unbelievable. So last question we'll ask you before we let you go. We're very grateful for all your time. Hold, hold on one second. Oh, hold on one second. Just, yep. just pause that for a second. Okay. Just pause yep. that for a second. Yeah, you got to order. I got to, no, I got to see where the fuck I'm going. You got to order a cheeseburger in the lineup there? No, I got to see where I'm going. I got to, I don't Hang even tight. know. What the I'll hit pause on time. All right. Last question for you. And, you know, we'll, as we talk about the Olympics, so what would you rather have? Craig says it's the pinnacle. And JR, you say, I don't know if you said it was the pinnacle of hockey, but what would you rather have? A Stanley Cup or an Olympic gold? Stanley Cup. Not even not even a not even a close second. Not even not even close, I think, in, in terms of 
you know, because it's, it's what we battle for day in and day out. We see the people in the cities that, that root for us. We have a relationship with the people, with the city. We have a relationship with, the, with those players for 82 games plus playoffs. It's, it's, it's so much more of a, I think, a, an, intimate, an intimate celebration and victory for a Stanley Cup than I think it is for, um, for an Olympic medal. Yeah, you have an entire country celebrate, but it might be different in Canada, but in America, you're not going to have as, as many people as you think celebrating an American hockey gold medal as they probably would a basketball gold medal. Um, that's, I, I think that's kind of my take on it. If you were to ask, I think if you were to ask a European player, it might be a different situation. 100%. Is I had Martin Rosinski on my team um, back in, I think it was like the late 90s, where the Czech Republic ended up winning the gold medal. Dominic Hasek was a superstar, you know, and he, he, you know, they won that. They all got on a flight. They flew directly from where the Olympics were. I can't remember where it was. They flew. That was, in, that, that was, that was 98. 98, was yes, 98. okay. And when they we, flew when, home. When, when, we, when we fucked up the Olympic Village, Czech Republic won the gold. There you go. So they were, they were dialed in and the U.S. wasn't. But uh, anyway, they got home. And I'm going to tell you right now, it, the, the, looking at the people, like I mean hundreds of thousands of people showing up in the streets. It was the, the parade was, was off the chart. It's, it was almost like every single person in the entire country all funneled into this, this parade. And it was something spectacular. And if you yeah. look and talk to those European hockey players, I think it's a little bit different for them. Now, some of them, by the way, you hundred, you're a hundred percent right. And there were a few players that I played with that were, that were checks at the end of the year. They already had their plane tickets made before the playoffs ended because they wanted to go back and play in the world championships yeah. more than play it for the Stanley cup. Like Roman Czechmonic, Robert Reichel, these guys, these guys, these guys were, they, they were out their paycheck stopped. So was their brain. I'm going back to play for the world championships. Yeah. You know, I totally agree with you. And it's a different mindset. You know, I, I don't, uh, I mean, where, where here in, in, in North America, in, in Canada and United States, we value the ultimate prize as winning the Stanley cup. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying that the European players do not want to win a Stanley cup. I think a lot of them do, especially in today's, in today's game, today's society. But back in the, in the nineties, if you were to ask, um, you know, a, a European hockey player from Czech, Slovak, Sweden, Finland, um, you know, uh, Russia, would you rather win an Olympic gold medal for your country or win a Stanley cup? I think uh, the majority of those people would say, I would like to win it for my country. hundred percent. You 100% I think are right. I totally agree with you, but you know, we'll hear see that what happens. Hear that Petey? Well, he said it a lot. He said it a lot. percent agreed. I agree. I he, I've heard. Agree. I've heard. I think JR, we should end the show right there. I've heard Jr. agree with so you up, I, up to one thousand percent today. Go ahead. That's. I agree with him there, but I gotta. 
I, I got to bring up one thing real quick because yeah. we, we talked about it. Who's going to get the first pick this in next year's draft? Is it going to be the Chicago Blackhawks or the Phoenix or the Arizona Coyotes? Because none of these teams can seem to get a win. Chicago Blackhawks can't even get a lead in six games. You know how hard it is not even to get a lead in a hockey game in six games? These are two teams that I've played for and I, and I care about immensely. And I'm sitting here with a bag over my head every time these teams play because I don't want anybody to see me rooting for them. But Jesus Christ, can you get out of your guys' own way finally and win a hockey game already? Can you tell me right you? now how the heck the Chicago Blackhawks are winless with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and DeBrinket and all of these players? You have Seth Jones. Seth Jones. Play. Flurry. Hey, we talked about this the other day. At what point, how long does Jeremy uh, Colleton have? Uh, is he going to be on the hot seat? Because that's not a, that's not a rebuild roster. Get yeah, you, him and bring you're you're exactly talk. right. You're exactly right. They got Kubelink. Kubelink they got, you know, to break it what you said, they got, the, you know, they, they got some really good young players. And I will tell you this, they are changing a lot of things in that organization right now, okay, in the management. They are not going to take time to change things on that bench. Jeremy Colton right now probably has a 10-game buffer that if he doesn't win five or six games out of the next 10, he's going to find himself looking for a job because the Blackhawks aren't going to take at much more of this when they are changing a lot of things within their organization. And rightfully so, after some of the stories that came out over the summer. Um, that, uh, yeah, exactly. Another reason why they have to change the narrative that's going on there. Because let me tell you something. They're getting the boo birds. There's the, the stadium is, is a third, you know, half, half full. Uh, people are not going to take this kind of, of play and pay the amount of money that these ticket prices that they're, they're asking for. Um, and losing hockey games. It's, it's just not going to happen. Out goes, that. out goes Carlton, in goes Babcock, you think? Oh, fuck. God damn it, I hope not. Oh, okay, not a Babcock fan. <laughs> okay, oh. all right. Well, coaches the change, reason, apparently, the only, JR. Coaches the change. Reason, the only reason, yeah, but you don't regurgitate the shitty ones. <laughs> And I, the only reason I would like that, the only reason I would like that is because I would love to see Mike Commodore's Twitter page. Oh, God. If that, if that happened. That's the only oh, reason I would like oh, that. Oh, boy. So, yeah. Yeah. That's JR, it. you're the man. Today was unreal. It was so much fun. Look forward to next week. There's always a ton going on that we, uh, we can discuss. And, uh, yeah, enjoy your golf it. game. Enjoy your golf game today. Hey, sorry I had to change the, the, the venue, you know, just to make sure that I got the whole hour in. But uh, Oh, my God. The venue doesn't matter. It's, you know, I the get, venue's the I, venue. I get, to go, I get to go to Toronto. I get to go to Canada. So I'm going to go get a PCR test because I love going there. So Don't oh, be so well. hard on Canada. It's, it's not a bad place. What kind I of love, car is that, no. JR? I just said I love going to Canada. I get to go to Canada. So I'm oh, gonna go I to detected sarcasm. Is there going to be it. golf involved with that Canada visit? No. It's, it's November, Riv. No. So no. what? What are you talking no. about? It's November. JR is going to golf in the snow if he has to. He'll just use That's a right. yellow ball. Okay. That's right. You don't That's understand right. what you're dealing right. with here. You guys are the best. Love you. See you, Jake. Right. Thanks, JR.
That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word. Thank <laughs> you.